This is On Target, a look at politics, crime, education, what's happening in Newfoundland and Labrador with the people who know. The views and opinions expressed on this program are not necessarily those of this station. And now your On Target host, Linda Swain. Well, good afternoon, everyone, and another busy news day. Well, it just doesn't stop. Of course, uh, today, the speech from the throne is taking place around 2 o'clock. Uh, VOCM News uh, will be there. Richard Duggan will be covering that from the Colonial Building. As a matter of fact, we're going to be highlighting that uh, particular uh, structure this afternoon and tomorrow for the first sitting of the House of Assembly. Uh, and, uh, of course, the provincial government today announced a, a, a benefit for residents of Newfoundland and Labrador, $500 for everyone who earns uh, $100,000 or less and uh, checks supposed to be out before Christmas sometime between now and then. So um, lots of news to discuss. But we're going to talk to uh, something that uh, really dominated a lot of headlines over the course of the summer. The province's fishing industry, as you may recall, ground to a halt in many sectors this year in a pricing battle between harvesters and fish plant operators. Both sides contend that a broken fish price setting system is to blame. Prices set by the fish price setting panel, which uses final offer selection to determine the price for each species, were considered too low by some fish harvesters and too high by some processors. And some processors just plain refused to buy, while some harvesters just plain refused to go out. And that uh, resulted in a pretty chaotic season. That prompted Labour Minister, of course, Bernie Davis, to call an independent review into the process used to set prices in the fishing industry. The Seaward Enterprises Association is recommending certain changes to the process. My guest today is CNL Executive Director Ryan Cleary. Hello. Hey, Linda. How are you doing? Great. So, so what happened this season? I guess what it comes down to is uh, chaos. Uh, that's what it came down to, uh, Linda. You had uh, a situation, as you just outlined, where uh, in certain fisheries like uh, northern shrimp or sea cucumbers, uh, uh, enterprise owners either wouldn't fish for the prices that were set, or in the case of uh, Cape on the east coast of Newfoundland, for example, processors wouldn't buy for the price that was set. So uh, you had a, uh, a final offer selection of system of fish pricing uh, that's supposed to make the, the, the fishery run smooth, but it, it didn't do any of that. It essentially collapsed. Is market volatility to blame? Because we know we've seen, you know, the markets have been, you know, unpredictable in a lot of cases. Uh, the the system that's set up for gas price, uh, you know, regulation, it doesn't seem to be working because the, the markets are just so volatile. Is that part of what went on here this year? Well, part of it is the fact that you've got the, the fish price setting system in Newfoundland and Labrador is 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 um, laid out in provincial legislation in the Fishing Industry Collective Bargaining Act. No other jurisdiction that I know of in the world uh, has fish pricing set by legislation um, like we have here. So there, there's a, there are a certain process uh, uh, that has to be followed in terms of the way it works for the information of your listeners is that when um, – when you want to determine the price of a specific species, like snow crab, the FFAW Unifor representing um, harvesters, the Association of Seafood Processors re rep representing plants, they come together. If they can't reach a deal on, on, on price, under legislation, it goes to a uh, provincial government-appointed three-person panel. 
And what the panel does it, it is it chooses one price put forward by the FFAW or, or the other price put forward by the ASP and nowhere in the middle. So it has to be one or the other. The panel often says in its decision that the fair price is usually somewhere in the middle, but the panel can't go uh, can't go in the middle. So like I uh, so as I already said, you had a situation this summer where prices that were set by the panel. Uh, and uh, either fishermen wouldn't fish for it or processors wouldn't buy for it. In, in other cases, uh, with uh, snow crab, for example, uh, we had a, a price that was set later in the season of 615, and uh, the price that's set by the panel is supposed to be binding. Uh, in other words, it's not voted on by any of the parties. It's just uh, implemented. But we had a situation in snow crab where the price was 615, and processors tried to creatively by charging for services that aren't usually charged for like offloading try to lower that price so between harvesters not fishing for a price processors not not buying and then processors trying to get creative in terms of underpaying the inshore fleet that's what i mean by saying that the the system essentially collapsed this past season which is why bernie davis responsible labor labor called the review My guest today on On Target is Ryan Cleary, Executive Director of CNL. We'll be back right after this. Join us for On Target, one hour in which Linda Swain examines topics that mean the most to you. On Target, weekday afternoons at 1 on your VOCM. Our guest today is CNL Executive Director Ryan Cleary. Just before the break, you were offering, um, you outlined, sorry, some of the difficulties encountered this summer with the uh, fish price setting um, system that's in place. Have we encountered these types of problems before? Not to this extent, Linda. The chaos that we experienced uh, with different fish prices this summer, no, I, I, I can never remember a situation like we've had this past summer. But we did have indications in the summer of 2021 um, that, that there were problems on the horizon. And I'll give you an example. Last year in 2021 with snow crab, um, the final price to the inshore fleet was set by the panel on April the 25th, and it was set at, at $7.60 a pound. That was a great price, the best that it's ever been. Uh, Both sides made money. The problem was the fact that, uh, again, the final price was set on April 25th at $7.60 a pound. The price week after week, month after month after that, going deep into the fall, continued to rise. And the problem was that the inshore fleet um, had no way to tap into that rising price because it was the final price upon reconsideration was set on April 25th continue to rise no way to tap into that last summer i asked bernie davis for a review based on that he turned it down and then this summer we see the the chaos that we've seen again in northern shrimp in sea cucumber uh, in crab and, and essentially it was it was a complete co- collapse so what's leading to this rigidity you mentioned this is we're one of the only jurisdictions where this is entrenched in legislation how this whole process works why is that well uh the system that we have in place with final offer selection, actually, it was almost 25 years ago this year that a task force, uh, so 1997, a task force was appointed by the then government of Brian Tobin. The task force was led by David Vardy. David Vardy, former head of the Public Utilities Board. Uh, he's he's well known as, a, as an economist. Um, so he did a task force review based on the fact that there was a three-month strike in crab in, 19, in, uh, in 1997, and he did a complete review. As a result of his review, he recommended final offer selection, the system that we have now in legislation. He recommended that. 
But at the same time, um, Linda, he also recommended, um, parallel to the final offer selection system that we have in place now, he recommended an auction system of fish pricing, which is um, it's either free market or an auction system in most countries uh, around the world based on his investigations. So David Barty recommended um, final offer selection with this parallel auction system. The problem was, and to simplify this, is the auction pilot project that was supposed to go hand in hand with final offer selection did not happen. It didn't happen for 11 years. And when it did happen, it was basically seen as just a pilot project to say you did the pilot project uh, versus a a meaningful attempt at a, a real legitimate pilot project. What it comes down to is final offer selection gives you a minimum price that processors have to pay. It's a minimum price. An auction system would set the maximum price. And under un, under his recommendation, uh, harvesters would pick either the minimum price f- through a final offer selection or the auction price. And they would have uh, a, a choice to choose one or the other. But again, what it came down to is the auction system uh, wasn't um, the, the pilot project wasn't brought into play for at least uh, ten years. It wasn't a, a given good go then, and we have a situation now where. The system, not the one that he laid out, but the, a modification of that system has, 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 has basically collapsed into chaos. So how would that um, auction system work? I, I can remember years ago uh, taking a small tour group out, and it was led by a chef. And his um, thing was, he says, take us down to the waterfront, we'll buy some fish on the waterfront, and then we'll come back and I'll show them how to do some fancy stuff with it. And I said, well, I don't know if there's anywhere you can buy fish right off the waterfront. Uh, but he was envisioning this, you know, making this deal with fish harvesters right there on the wharf obviously he was from somewhere else where you can do that you you hear what i'm saying how would an auction work well i wasn't part of david Vardy's. obviously i'm i'm getting up there but i'm not uh i wasn't part of his uh review uh, 25 years ago but basically the way it would work and and david Vardy, when he had that task force review he had a report that was done up by the marine institute for larger for larger vessels, they would basically, uh, like 12 hours away from port, they would hail in before coming in. It would go to an electronic auction. It wouldn't be at a set location, electronic auction. And then you would have uh, processors local. And from our perspective, we would also have outside buyers uh, that would bid on um, a, a, a bid on a catch before it's landed. And then that would also work in a modified way for, for smaller boats. Um, and again, this would give you the maximum price based on a, a free market economy. You would have a bidding process for that catch. A harvester could could decide either to go with the minimum price that was set through collective bargaining model that we have now, or they could go with the auction system. And basically, it would balance each other out. But again, the system we have now is just the minimum price with, with no maximum price. And uh, it, it results. What it results in is the harvester not getting fair market value uh, for the catch that he lands, or she lands. So, who who's involved in this particular review? This uh, the, the review that's ongoing right now is being done by David Conway. Now, David Conway is a lawyer. He's the former head of the Labor Relations Board. Um, he was appointed by Bernie Davis um, in mid July. From our understanding is his final report, and I've had conversations with Mr. Conway, is due at the end of um, 
at, at the end of this month. Well, actually, it was due in September. I'm not sure if it was passed to Bernie Davis or not. One of our biggest problems with this review, Linda, is the fact that uh, it's not public. When, when David Barty did that task force review in the price setting 25 years ago, he had meetings all over the province. They traveled to countries around the world. They spoke to embassies. They spoke to all kinds of fishing nations to come up um, with the model that they proposed. In this particular review that's being led by David Conway, there were no public meetings. Uh, basically, you could ask uh, David Conway and his group if, if you could contribute to the review, which CNL did. We submitted a written submission, and then afterwards I also gave a, a verbal submission. But even before that, I had asked David Conway, why don't you live stream these submissions? Make it so that you can give them in person or virtual so that you could have the participation of, of enterprise owners of the small boat fleet right around the province. But, Con uh, but David Conway said his, his hands were tied because the parameters of the review were set by government, um, and then he just had to follow those parameters. Right. So are you concerned about that, that the, the mandate that is, is too narrow, maybe? Well, yeah, we're, we're definitely concerned about the fact that there wasn't uh, enough um, uh, public participation. There wasn't enough, there no public he uh, meetings that I said. Uh, from our perspective, too, the mandate of the review should have been expanded to include competition in the processing sector. Um, and, and other implications like weekly, in CRAB, for example, you had weekly limits, you had trip limits. You had fishing schedules. Processors told boats when to go, when to go fishing, uh, when not to go fishing. Trip limits, in other words, they were capped at how much product they could bring in. From our perspective, uh, this current review was so narrow, um, and, and basically price is irrelevant if there's no buyer, uh, which is the other piece of the collective bargaining puzzle that's not included in this review. It, it wasn't broad enough. And you just pointed out, uh, you, you talked about competition, and that's one of the main uh, concerns that the FFAWs raised, uh, what they're calling a lack of competition. I, is that what is part of uh, the problem here? Not only is it lack of competition, Linda, uh, the Federal Competition Act of Canada excludes fish pricing. It's the only industry that I know of in the country that's excluded from the Federal Competition Act is fish pricing here in Newfoundland and Labrador. It doesn't follow under the juris uh, jurisdiction of the uh, Competition Act. You, you have cases where processors tell boats um, uh, uh, when to go fishing, uh, when to land, how much to land. At the same time, processors can in Newfoundland and Labrador can bring in products from other provinces to process here. So the processors have all the power. The harvesters uh, are backed into a corner, and all because it's excluded by the Federal Competition Act. Uh, the, federal, the Trudeau government announced a few months ago with the federal budget, I believe, that there's a review of the Federal Competition Act. One of the, one of the things that CNL did was we wrote the prime minister to say that, listen, fish pricing – um, needs to be covered by the Competition Act. If there were reasons to exclude it years ago, they've been long forgotten. And, and, and if fish pricing is going to be continue to be excluded, uh, from our perspective, um, our MPs and our Premier and our Fisheries Minister need to explain to the public why it is why why it would be continued to be excluded. Well, it seems to me that the final offer selection, either it's high or low, the, the price that they choose is either high or low. There's no middle ground, as you said, and that's, that's very adversarial because somebody is going to be disappointed. And I think that's why we get a lot of this tough talk on both sides uh, of the equation when it comes to whatever the price is set. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, just give an example of that. If snow crab, for example, if um, um, processors want um, want one dollar and harvesters want fifty cents, or harvesters want a dollar, processors want fifty cents. The panel is forced to choose a dollar or fifty cents nowhere in the middle. So right off the bat, you have a price that is not fair, uh, and and the the panel, the price setting panel, has acknowledged that in past decisions. They're forced to um, make a choice one or the other uh, when they acknowledge that the fair price is usually in the in the middle. And from my perspective, I mean, just that example is a clear indicator that. This does not work in terms of giving harvesters, enterprise owners, who I represent, who CNL represents, fair market value, because that's what this is about, fair market value for their catch. How many harvesters are you aware of that uh, simply said, you know what, I'm not, I'm not going out this year? Well, no, everybody's got to go out. I mean, you still got to pay the bills. You still got to make your payments. You, you still got a crew to look after. So, I mean, everybody still goes out. But there's a, obviously a lot of grumbling on, on the wharf, a lot of people who are – I get a hell of a lot of calls from harvesters who were not pleased with prices this year. Um, a lot of harvesters don't speak up. They don't uh, come out publicly because they're afraid of repercussions, either from their buyer or other buyers. So they come to me and we're a focal point for getting the message out. So it's still a system uh, that, you know, is really weighted one way or the other. It, there's there's no common ground. No. Um, again, um, it's, it's, it's basically outlined in provincial government legislation like no other jurisdiction in the world. It's final offer selection. It gives you a minimum price. It doesn't... Uh, uh, and again, that auction would give you the maximum price. So from our perspective, if you've got a minimum price and a maximum price and you're a harvester with a choice of which choice to t- to, to, uh, of which price to take, that's the way that it should be. It, it, it should be um, it should be free market. It should be auction system. And it should be that that's the system that exists in other nations like Iceland and Norway. And that's the system that should be tried here. My guest today on On Target is Ryan Cleary, Executive Director of CNL. We'll be back right after this. Got plans for midnight? Bring your VOCM along with the best soundtrack for every night, anywhere. The VOCM All Night Show, midnight on your VOCM. And our guest today is the Executive Director of CNL, Ryan Cleary. And uh, we've been talking a little bit about the fish price setting system here in Newfoundland and Labrador, that both uh, the Fisherman, Fisheries Union, uh, FFAW, and the Association of Seafood Pro- Producers have both contended is broken. And uh, CNL's uh, come up with a recommendation. What is it? Our recommendation is for an electronic, um, electronic auction, an electronic auction pilot project. So right now you have a final offer selection, as you already um, outlined, Linda. Final offer selection means that a provincial government appointed panel, uh, when the FFAW and the processors can't come to an agreement on price, that pr- the decision on price goes to a panel. The panel chooses one price or the other. The final price is the minimum price that processors have to pay. What we're saying is that with an electronic auction pilot project, for, for the 2023 season, for, for next season, 
what that would try to give you, what that would do is give you a, a maximum price based on the involvement of outside buyers and based on a, an electronic bidding process. The other thing I want to mention with that is that this David Vardy task force from 1997-98 that re- recommended um, an auction um, pilot project that didn't happen for, for 10 years. And, and then when it did happen, it was just to say more or less that it was it was done. The auction system at fish pricing was also recommended in the 2021, uh, in, in Premier Andrew Fury's 2021 um, economic recovery team report. Um, in, in that report, the big reset that he did um, under fisheries, it recommended uh, a pilot pot, a pilot project auction system uh, for fish pricing. So we recommended it again this uh, again just last year. Of course, uh, the head of the task force in '97 was David Vardy, well known to your listeners. He was also a member of that premier's um, economic recovery team last year that wrote that report. So, which is probably why it also included an electronic auction uh, in, in both. The other thing about electronic auction, and this was made clear in the David Vardy report, is that you've heard this many times, Linda, is that many processors, they exercise a high level of control over some harvesters through uh, extending financing for upgrading um, their gear, for buying gear, for upgrading their vessel, for operating the vessels, for purchasing licenses. So, and, and there's actually another provincial government uh, review that's been ongoing since last year into um, foreign control in the processing sector. But the point I'm getting at is this. You have a lot of boats, a lot of um, license holders around Newfoundland and Labrador that are inde- indebted to processors. Under an auction system, uh, with the fish that they land, the catch would be sold to the highest bidder, not to the f- not to the financer of the operation. So in other words, if an owner-operator is backed by a processor in terms of uh, a loan, say a $100,000 loan to buy gear or uh, whatever, when under an auction system, um, he could still sell the or he or she could still sell the catch, um, not just to the not just to the person or the company that financed that finances his enterprise, but to the highest bidder, which would mean more money in his pocket, in his or her pocket. Now, back when De- David Vardy did this task force report, I, I mentioned earlier, the Marine Institute did a study, and that Marine Institute study at the time said that with the auction system. Hand in hand with the, um, the final offer selection system, um, ultimately you would see uh, inshore enterprises, license holders, um, receive more money for their catch, make more money from the fish that they sell. Would this require too great a, a change within the fishing industry and how we do things here? I mean, you mentioned outside buyers, and that's been a contentious issue for it ever so long. Uh, why is it that we aren't allowed to, you know, sell our product outside of the province? Um, Well, the first part of your question in terms of uh, would this create, uh, would this be too big of a a change in one season? I don't think so, Linda, because you've got the current system would remain in place. Maybe it would be tweaked for more reconsiderations. That's a whole other, that's a whole other problem. But the system would remain in place. The electronic auction would be a pilot project. It we brought in maybe even David Vardy, who recommended the first pilot project, um, could actually help design the pilot project for next season. But you'd have the system would remain in place. You'd have a pilot project, electronic auction set up so that uh, 
so uh, to me, that would be the least impact on the industry. Things would 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 carry on without too much disruption. But but you, uh, on top of the minimum price, you then have a maximum price. It's it's all about making sure that insure enterprises, our insure fleet, receives a fair market return. And is that the advantage that uh, the electronic system would provide? Yes. I mean, if you have an electronic auction system, again, which are um, which is used by countries all over the world, including incredibly successful fishing nations like Iceland and Norway, um, so that their, their, their fleets receive the, the highest possible dollar for their fish, if that system works in other nations, in other jurisdictions, it's, it's either the auction system or free market system, um, which it should work here. From, 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 from our perspective, uh, the system we have in place is an abomination, and it's not what was recommended in the first place when the blueprint was laid out on how the pricing system should unfold. And how would that work? Uh, so a harvester is coming, um, just landed a huge catch, coming into port. Uh, it's an electronic system. They're saying, hey, we got a load. We're coming in. Oh, I see the price is such and such in, I don't know, Harbor Grace, and it's uh, such and such in Twillingate, and then it's such and such in, uh, I don't know, name a, name a community. Um, do they choose then where to go? How would that work? I can't give you the details because I'm not. Uh, I didn't. Um, uh, I didn't outline the original pilot project or make the original recommendation. But having read uh, the, the the report many times, I can give you a general um, overview of how it works. So you'd have larger vessels with landings in the order of tens of thousands of pounds, um, and with and with landing times twelve hours or longer. Once they could, once they're finished their fishing, um, they could have their loads auctioned off based upon their hails before they physically arrive in the port. Uh, now, I mentioned earlier, too, this system was tried and tested by the Newfoundland government when it operated a middle-distance ground fish fleet. Remember we had those middle-distance boats years ago? They auctioned off the fish that was, that was caught by those provincial government-owned vessels, and they did it successfully. And prices realized for the fish were greater than the negotiated prices determined through collective bargaining. I'm not making that up. That is a fact. Of, um, from the reports that I've read. In terms of smaller boats, um, with smaller boats, um, what the task force outlined is that they would land at designated landing sites and they would submit, submit hails to, uh, to an auctioneer through a port agent. So that will, that's what would happen in the case of smaller vessels with, with smaller loads. They would be more or less pooled and auctioned off through a port agent. Okay, so yeah, it's just a different type of structure, and it would be immediate. It would be it would be this this day and that another day. Yeah, uh, pretty much. So um, as a vessel is coming in, you've got a load of crab or a load of whatever species that you've just fish. Uh, you'd hail in what you have. Uh, it would go to an electronic auction. Again, you would have bidders from all over the province or potentially um, um, all over the world that would bid on your catch. And that would give you the highest possible price, um, uh, reflective of uh, the highest price that the market is willing to pay, reflective of the quality of your catch. Because if you're a fisherman known for landing high-quality fish, um, you know, you'll get your you'll get the premium for that. Again, it's all about 
the best possible, the fairest possible price for your catch. And, and that's not what inshore enterprises are getting right now under the system, the broken system, as you described uh, earlier, that we have in place right now. And how did it work the last time it was implemented? You say we did have this pilot project for a period of time after the uh, 1997 report. So how did that work? So uh, we had the recommendation. Uh, I think Vardy's report came out in 98. He recommended that the pilot project for an electronic auction happen in 99. It didn't happen for, between the jigs and the reels, it didn't happen for, I think, just over 10 years. And, and then when they uh, did do it, it was, uh, I, I got the final report here as well. It was deemed uh, not a success because not enough processors, uh, and I think it was only local processors, took part. So um, from my perspective, when I read that, I thought, well, you know, why would processors want to be involved in a, in a process that might drive up the price that they have to pay for fish? It kind of didn't make sense. From my perspective, it, it, it wouldn't just include local buyers. It would also have to include um, outside buyers. And this is uh, where the whole idea of, yeah, a whole idea of competition comes into play. Yes, of course. Well, uh, I want to explore that a little bit more when we come back after the break. My guest today on On Target is the Executive Director of CNL, Ryan Cleary. We'll be back right after this. Take a break. Join us weekdays from 1230 to 1 p.m. as we discuss anything and everything that's happening now. It's all on the table during your VOCM lunch break. Our guest today is the Executive Director of CNL, Ryan Cleary. And Ryan, you're recommending an electronic auction pilot project uh, for the fishery next year. But do you think that the review could lead to greater changes, maybe even legislative changes? Um, I think that it could lead to legislative changes, yes. Uh, David Conway uh, could make recommendations to tweak the current uh, um, Fishing Industry Collective Bargaining Act when it comes to the fish pricing, the panel, the final offer selection system. We could have more price reconsiderations. For example, when, when, the, when the panel sets a price, both sides then have have one reconsideration where they can go back to the panel and say, you know, uh, give us a higher price or lower, you know, give us a uh, review the price again and come up with another number. Uh, from my perspective, um, tweaking the system is not enough. Uh, we need wholesale change, but it's not really wholesale change. It what was, it's what was recommended in the first place. The model that we have in place uh, was recommended 25 years ago. It, 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 it recommended at the same time a parallel pilot project on, on the auction system, as we have already outlined, that didn't happen. From my perspective, Linda, we are in the fish pricing is in desperate need of change because there was a warning that was issued earlier uh, this season by Derek Butler of the Association of Seafood Processors. And he wrote a letter to the Telegram, and in that letter, uh, he referenced the 2023 next next season's price of crab. So what he warned is that uh, what he said was that the processors and buyers um, their snow crab losses this year were worse than the moratorium, and they're going to have an impact on next year and next year's prices, uh, if not even in more years. So. Um, from our perspective, change has to happen now so that we make sure that um, the fair market value is there for the inshore fleet. The entire fishing industry should sit up and take notice when, when threats are made that future seasons prices will be impacted. And that's what Derek Butler did. 
he it, it was a it was a warning. It was a threat. Next season, you're going to pay the price in, in terms of the price for your snow crab, and maybe even in seasons after that. We need change now, so we have a fair system that's fair to both sides. We're not looking for inshore inshore vessels, inshore the inshore fleet to get more. It's not about uh, much wants more. It's about fair market price, and that's not what's happening right now. So despite all the chaos uh, this past season, what, what was the fishing season like this year? It was a, it was a fantastic season in terms of uh, uh, the Federal Department of Fisheries and Oceans um, just released um, some of their analysis of, of the landed prices and uh, the landed price for snow crab this year um the initial price was 760 went down to 615 i think um the average landed price to harvesters was six odd uh six dollars not i don't have the numbers right here in front of me the bottom line is snow crab was great for the uh for 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 the for the inshore enterprise owners but other fisheries paid the price then. Uh, as I mentioned, you had the northern sh- uh, shrimp fishery that was severely delayed, sea cucumbers severely delayed, the Capelin fishery in the east coast of, of Newfoundland and Labrador did not go ahead. So um, crab, great for the inshore fleet. Um, a, a processor, the, both prices that were set this year for crab, by the way, the initial 760 and the 615 were both recommended by the ASP, the Association of Seafood uh, Processors. Uh, we did see a collapse in the in the world market for snow crab, although that's bottomed out. It's since coming back. It's since coming back. You won't know until the end of the year in terms of what kind of uh, what kind of season this will have been for. Uh, for processors, but outside of snow crab, it wasn't the best. And it, it, the time is now to actually address the pricing system for next season. The processors, of course, uh, were mentioning uh, timing. They, they they mention that every year, you know, and pacing. Um, they want to try to prevent gluts and, and want to see the, the, the process paced out or staggered to ensure the best quality product. Is, is, is there more here than just prices? It's prices. It's, it's outside buyers. Um, think about it like this, and someone put this to me a while ago, Linda. For all the oil that's processed off our shores um, by different platforms, Hibernia, the whole nine yards, oil companies operating off our shores, they're not ordered to process oil onshore. Um, I wish they were, but they're not. The oil that's uh, uh, drilled off our shores is processed in other jurisdictions, other countries. Uh, but but that's not the case with fish. Fish that's that's caught off our shores, uh, once the vessel lands, has to be processed on our shores. I mean, why are there? Wh- why is it one way for the oil industry and another way for the for the uh, for the fishing? Uh, uh, for the fishery, I don't know. It, from from my perspective, perspective, it's hypocrisy. It, it's not fair. Uh, the inshore fleet is 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 cornered. It, its back is to the wall. The processors have all the power. They can bring in uh, fish from other provinces. Uh, th- they can ship it out. Uh, harvesters can't do the same. That inequity, that unfairness, is what we're saying needs to be addressed. And the best way to do that, from our perspective is through the electronic auction system. What other things is CNL working on these days? Well, uh, um, we're working on building CNL. 
Um, we just had a major investment in our, our organization. In the next uh, few days, next week, you're going to see a major drive uh, for CNL. Um, our, our motto is actually um, stronger with CNL. We're trying to send a message to the inshore fleet that CNL, as the distinct voice of owner-operators, of license holders, um, that, that enterprise owners would be better off with that distinct voice. Right now, you have our enterprise owners, 3,200, more than 3,200 around the province. Their voice is lumped in with, with, with plant workers and offshore trawlermen and, and, and fish farmers. And, and so what we're doing is um, we're going to take this to another level. We're going to drive home the message that uh, inshore enterprises will be more powerful with their own voice, with their own organization that, that, that's fighting specifically for them. And you'll hear a lot more about that in the next few days, Linda. Well, that sounds very intriguing. It sounds like our, our show might be mis- <laughs> mistimed. <laughs> or you have another show. Or there's another show ahead. Um, what more can you tell us about this process? You say you just got a, a, a major influx of cash. Is that correct? Yeah, we've had some investment uh, from um, some of the enterprise owners in our fleet. Uh, who see the um, I- importance of the you know um, of CNL and the role that we can play in terms of policy, in terms of pricing, and um, so we've been working for the last couple of months on, on, on top of staying on top of the industry and the industry news. Um, from my, from my perspective, a lot of the work that I had to do is just educating people on on what's going on around the world with fish prices and and policies here and why we have certain policies and don't have other policies and um, but yeah, we're going to take it to another level, uh, stronger with CNL, uh, and um, we'll be a force to be reckoned with. And any concerns that you know. Um uh, you know, splitting up the the fishing industry into now licensed operators and and all of the other aspects of of the fishing industry would fracture an already fractured industry. No, n- none whatsoever. The bottom line is the FFAW Unifor will continue to be there. It's the collective bargaining agent. Um, it, it represents every sector. It's, it has a labor monopoly over every sector of the fishery, unlike any other jurisdiction in the world. That's a whole other story, but. Um, I'm not, because the FFAW Unifor would still be there. It would still represent. But again, CNL is the distinctive voice of inshore enterprise owners. It was the FFAW 20-odd years ago that actually pointed out in another uh, federal study that enterprise owners should have their own distinctive voice, distinctive organization. And actually, that's what uh, your listeners may be familiar with, the fact that I led Fish L, which was a union before, which wasn't successful. Uh, the difference between Fish and L as a union and CNL, CNL is an association like the police association, the nurses association, a professional organization that just speaks for owner operators, for, for, for license holders. So we're going it, to, it's not, this won't take away from, from the voice, the industry's voice. From our perspective, it will make it stronger. Ryan Cleary, I do appreciate your time this afternoon. Thanks so much, and no doubt we're going to be hearing more in the next little while, according to what you had to say. Thank you, Linda. It's been a pleasure. Alrighty, And uh, we'll be back tomorrow. This is Foster Families Month, so we'll be talking a little bit about that and the role uh, anyone can play in uh, helping out uh, uh, young people in particular through a, uh, becoming a foster family. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow. Thanks for listening, everyone.